Shiva Samarambam Shankaracharya Madhyamam Asmadacharya Paryantam Vande Guru Paramparam Nishwaro Gurantiti Murti Veda Vivagine Does an enlightened person have to follow Dharma? We'll see in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. That's the question. So we're going to take up the verses now. The verses will make sense. I know you were wondering well, when are we ever going to do the text. Well, we've actually done the text. <laughs> now we're going to do the text. Now you've got a background. And the verses will make sense. Yeah, normally, in the in the in the tradition, they don't give you the big picture. They just start with the verses, and then they build it up slowly. And and uh, they could, they could do that because in the old days, people lived in a they went to a, a, a gurukulam that means a ashram where there was a teacher, and they stayed for you know, for like 10 years usually, when they went when they were kids. And, and, or they, or, uh, and so, and they lived there and they did, they just lived with the guru in the, in the, in the ashram. And uh, the, the, the knowledge was built up step by step from the bottom. But obviously we can't do that. <coughs> West, Western people. There no, there's no sannyasis here. You're all householders. There's a few, a handful of sannyasis in the West. Most everybody's got karma and stuff, and you haven't. You can't take the time to like go step by step through these verses. I mean, Swami P spent seven years teaching Panchadasi in in, in uh, India. Seven years, one text. I mean, come on, uh, that's not going to happen. So. I, I uh, and I, you guys are Western people are, are intellectually pretty astute. You could we couldn't have the kind of societies we have if there wasn't a whole class of intelligent people at the top maintaining the knowledge to keep this this technology and these societies working because they're extremely advanced and sophisticated and complex uh, societies and technologies. So. Uh, <clears throat> The Ishwar has produced a lot of smart people, and you guys are smart people. So my view is you can you can uh, you can gain this big picture pretty simply, and then once you got the big picture, then you can slowly work your way through the verses because you'll be able to understand it. <clears throat> so that's how we. <clears throat> that's a modification I've had to make. It seems to work very well, because many more and more people report to me that. Uh, this is making them happy, that they've been set free by this. And there's uh, quite a number of people who are teaching others successfully uh, the same teaching. So I can see that, that this method is, uh, works. So the first verse is, now therefore we shall teach the logic of the devotion. Logic means the knowledge. Uh, there's a logical sequence of, of seeking. Uh, which uh, Krishna enamorate, uh, elaborates in the Gita. We'll take that up in a minute later on with another verse. So we'll organize that. That means the reason we say the knowledge or the logic of devotion is because people think devotion is just for emotional people. It's for your emotions. It's, it's what? It's superimposing logic on your emotions. In other words, See, when Maya's working, when Maya's operating, it creates a problem called viparaya. 
Vaporize is a technical term, and it means it reverses the relationship between the self and the jiva, and at the same time, it reverses the relationship between what? Between your feelings and your emotions. I should actually put the other chart up, but you can understand this. You all know it well enough. <coughs> In other words, your, your intellect should supply your emotional self, your mind, your emotional self, with good <coughs> reasons uh, for uh, following the teaching, following Dharma. It should enforce discipline on the emotions. So it shouldn't be afraid to like tell the emotions where they're going wrong, where those emotions are not useful and helpful and giving them reasons for what? For controlling their emotions or sublimating their emotions. But when Maya is operating, the emotions become the powerful factor and the intellect becomes weaker. So then the intellect supplies the emotions with what? All kinds of clever rationalizations and justifications why your feelings are legitimate. You have, you have uh, uh, all the reasons why you should be angry. You have, you completely, your depressions you think are completely justified. And you can tell you why. You know, you got, huh? And you, you, the intellect goes searching for reasons to justify the fact that you're depressed and lonely and, and, and sad and so forth and so on and so forth. And it all seems very reasonable. Why you overeat? Why do you overeat? Huh? You know, people that overeat, what do they say? It's a genetic. Huh? It's not genetic. <laughs> You, you overeat, you, you're, you're overweight because you eat too much of the wrong tabasic foods. It's a simple reason. And you eat too much. You, you eat to live, you don't live to eat. I mean, you live to eat, you don't eat to live, excuse me. It's a simple. But no, 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 no. I look for all kinds of reasons to justify the situation. I, I'm an alcoholic because... And then you tell all the reasons why, you know, justifying that, you know, I'm a drug drug addict, I'm a sex addict, this and this. And you, and you usually go back to your past, and then you go on the internet and you get all kinds of fancy reasons from psychologists and psychiatrists and so forth and so on. Uh, and then you completely defend your, your uh, dysfunction, your emotional dysfunction. This happens to Arjuna. It, this is where, in the very the first the second chapter of the Gita, we see this very clearly, because Ishwar, uh, Arjuna and in in, in, the, in in the Gita, uh, the Rishi is writing the Gita. He he really is clever, because he 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 gets Arjuna to use very very sattvic and beautiful and noble reasons why he shouldn't do his duty. And so we have this tremendous sympathy for Arjuna. And Krishna, and it seems like the spiritual option, in other words, what Krishna is saying is kill those bastards. Krishna is saying, shut up, quit whining, get your goddamn bow and arrow up, and go kill those bastards. And we can't understand that. And Arjuna said, no, I can't kill him. He's my, that was my guru over there. And that, that that was my teacher. I can't kill him, and that's my cousin. And and uh, and those are my you know my my those are my that's my uncle over there too. I got to kill him too. That's not right. You shouldn't kill family members. Then he goes on. And if I kill the family, then I kill this, and then the, the women will get corrupted, and the whole society will collapse. And oh, he's got a whole great <coughs> long story of why he shouldn't do what he's supposed to do. And Arjuna and Krishna are saying, you know, you wuss, you pussy, get up, goddammit, stop whining. <laughs> and you think, what's wrong with this teacher? <laughs> what kind of a teaching is this? And Krishna just says, you're not a killer. And he said, everything's consciousness here, everything's the self, everything's immortal. 
you're not a killer and they're not they're already dead anyway as soon as you're born you die he says so it's only a matter of when you die and if you you know if, if you you know if you if you die because you're a bad guy then you should die because it's good for the society get rid of the bad guys and I'm here to see to get rid of the bad guys because I want society to continue because I want what I want this knowledge of of the self to you know and so forth and so on Everything gets turned around backwards. And you start explaining and justifying what adharma. So, so this whole this whole teaching is just knowledge. That's what he means by logic and devotion. It's not just a sap devotion is not just a sappy emotional feeling. Huh? Devotion is what? Emotion, that's feeling, that's directed toward huh? God. It's not, otherwise, it's just mindless emotion. And you can't get rid of it as long as you're justifying it. You don't, you don't need a justification. You need to see that it's just better to what? To love God and get on loving God and develop a vasana for what? Or loving God, that's all. Loving God means loving the world, loving the people, loving everybody. That's, that's the point. And then how do you do that? You see, if you don't see everybody as God, then you superimpose God on everybody. Yes, your husband's a cranky bastard, but what? But you 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 imagine that he's God then, okay? And you start treating him as if he's God. Huh? Your relationship will, will clear up right away. Huh? It'll clear up right away. Huh? It's just all in your thought. Your wife, your husband, your kids, or something, just treat them as you treat God. How would you treat yourself? That's called Dharma. The golden rule, they call it in Christianity. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Huh? You don't like to be criticized. You don't like to be judged. You don't like to be lied to and cheated and steal. Then, huh? Then why would you, you know, judge other people? Why would you criticize other people? You don't like to be criticized. It's just amazing how many people criticize, and then as soon as they get criticized, they they don't like it. <laughs> Isn't that? Huh? Have you ever noticed that? Huh? Yeah, you notice that. That's why there's no dharma there. Understand? So, anyway, so devotion is is uh, devotion is a rational thing. It's a, it's a logical, rational thing. It's knowledge. It's not just emotion. And uh, and the second verse says non-dual devotion. That's called advaita bhakti. <laughs> verse two is supreme love of this. Supreme should, the word, the better word is exclusive. So, so the whole, the whole problem here that we have is that we love a whole lot of different things. Huh? Our, 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 our love is, is, we have a lot of different priorities and different values for different things. So, uh, so our love is scattered from one thing to another, <coughs> split up. We put a little bit of love in this. We put a little bit of love in, in, our, in our sports, let's say, in making our body fit. We put a little bit of love in, in our job. We put a little bit of love in our kids. And we put a little bit of love in this activity and watching the Internet. And we, we, uh, we, have all of, we have a whole lot of different things that we love or we like to do. And we just skip around and from one to another. We put, you know, invest a little bit in each one. Well, uh, what's that going to get you? Little bits of results in little bits of in different areas. That's all. So the idea here is what to get your to get your all of your attention, all of your desire focused in on one topic. We call it samadana. It's one of the primary qualifications for moksha. Vivekas, discrimination, vairagya, dispassion, control of your mind, 
control of your senses, uh, forbearance, and then samadhana, the ability to keep your mind focused on one topic for a considerable period of time. And all of your, uh, so all of your desire should be rolled into one simple desire for freedom. And it should look at everything in terms of that one desire. That's what it means here. So non-dual devotion is what? I'm exclusively uh, focused on one topic, i.e., who am I? That's non-dual. Otherwise, it's just what? It's your, your attention, which is your devotion. We said love is willing attention. This is where you have the free will. You have the free will to, like, what? You, you'll see it. How do I accomplish that? Because I don't want to accomplish that because it involves what? Letting go of certain things. He's going to cover that now in, in the next verses. He says, so non-dual devotion is exclusive love of this. Why does he say this? Well, it, it wouldn't be this because this is a that from the self's point of view. But he means this, something that's present and immediate, and not something that's remote. Mm. That, huh? In other words, Dwaita Bhakti, dualistic Bhakti, is God is what? Somewhere else. This world is a world of sin and sorrow and suffering and pain and da-da-da-da-da, and God's pure and pristine in heaven, and he lives far away in a transcendental sky, and the fairies and the angels are all floating around, and everybody's singing celestial music, and it's all really very lovely there. And, you know, and, and uh, now the point is, no, forget that one. What you want is right here now. Yeah, or the, or the idea of merging yeah, meditation or, that, or yoga. Yeah, right? that's right. Or the idea of merging. You're going to go to meditation and you're going to merge into a samadhi and you're going to feel happy and blissful. And yeah. it's going to, and when you're there, you're going to stay there and make it permanent in that permanent samadhi in the fourth state of consciousness <laughs> beyond. <laughs> says that's all nonsense what you're looking for is right here huh? right here immediately it's this now the, the 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 many of the modern teachers I call them the this babas they what they they call this is the sattva guna that happens the epiphany that happens when people get together and have a satsang or uh, so everybody gets in a sattvic state called samadhi and then uh, it's experiential and it's fine there's nothing wrong with it and then they say then they say once they get everybody calm it's peaceful feel the silence that's the silence of your own existence can you feel it get it this is it <coughs> This, this silence is it. Well, okay, great. But what about the one that knows the silence? Is that... Hmm? This is the one who knows the silence, if you want to know the truth. The silence is an object huh? known to what? Awareness. I, awareness... The knower of the silence is it, but he can't. You, he can't. He doesn't really say that here, so he calls it this. So this and that are just under, need to be understood carefully. Sorry, yeah. uh, God, and so we don't. We've covered all this. God is always present, and available. We said that means what? When are you never? Uh, when are you never not present? In other words, you're always present. And and how how did we say that? How do you recognize yourself uh, right now here as I, as your existence? I refers the word I refers to your existence, your consciousness. So 
Are, are you not present right now? Yeah. Oh, there. That's what we mean by this. That's being. me. Yeah, me. Being. Being. Yeah, being. Me, being. I am being. I'm, that doesn't mean I'm doing something to be. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm being. Existing, yeah. <laughs> no, you're not being, you're being. You are being. The self is your being. Your existence, that's all. And that and when when do you not exist? Is there ever a time when you don't exist? Is anybody going to say deep sleep? <laughs> I'm waiting for the deep sleep argument. We already we already discussed that. You're obviously present in deep sleep, also awareness. You exist when deep sleep is present. Yes, your jiva, your body and mind are not there, but uh, your body and mind are not you, are they? They're objects known to you. Uh, you can, ne you are never an object. You can never be an object. So if if you know your body, then you can't be the body. If you if you know your mind, you can't be your mind. And what? And you never love anyone else, do you? Remember we covered that? <clears throat> you only love yourself. You love all the objects for the sake of yourself. You don't love yourself for the sake of the objects, do you? Because when an object dis dis displeases you, you get rid of that object in what? And you get an object that does please you, which means that you're more interested in pleasing yourself than you are in the objects. Objects are a means to an end. And you love the end, which is you. You love, you love yourself more than anything. So everything you do is selfish, isn't it? It's for the sake of the self. Oh, that doesn't sound so egocentric. That's so awful. <laughs> That's not egocentric because it's only the self. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> So don't, you know, oh, no, I'm ashamed. I can't, I, 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 I'm ashamed just doing things for myself. I, I want to be spiritual. I want to do everything for other people to show that I'm selfless. You're not selfless. There's no such thing as selfless service. You can't have any action without a self. So every action is self-service. Understand? How can you attain, huh? How can you get the self out of anything? <coughs> you can't get the self out of anything. All these people running around in these these uh, ashrams and stuff, trying to what? Trying to be hoping they're going to become selfless. Well, who's who wants to be selfless? The self. You can't get rid of the self. So how? Huh? So selflessness is not what our we're aiming for. <coughs> at all. We're aiming for self-knowledge. Now, once you know you're the self, then what? Then it's natural to love and serve everything because everything's you. Why? Because you love yourself more than anything, and if everything's you, then you love everybody else more than anything. <laughs> Not that there's any anything when you love yourself. There's no anything to love other than yourself. Understand? So, huh? So, you know, stop trying to get rid of your, some, your, your self because <laughs> you can't get rid of it. If you say, people say, oh, I did karma yoga and I got rid of my, I got, I'm not selfish anymore. Well, well, who said that? Who, who just said that they're not selfish anymore? The self. The self said it's not selfish. Mm -hmm. The self wasn't selfish in the first place. It's just the self. It has nothing to do with selfishness. Because everything, there's the self can't be selfish because there's only the self. So how can it, what? There's no otherness for the self. So, you, you know, you, all you have to do is say, I'm the self and know what the self is. And that takes care of the whole selfish problem altogether. Striving to be something you're not this is always a problem. And it's ignorant to try to be something that you're not. You're the self. Trying to be selfless is not solving the problem at all. It's creating the problem. 
So pack it in. Forget it. Stop trying to be good and holy and pure. You are goodness yourself, itself. You are the goodness that makes goodness good. You are the purity that makes purity pure. Stop trying to be pure and holy and good and selfless and all that stuff. It's not going to happen. It's already accomplished for you. You already are. So give up, give it up. That's the idea. You're going to see why he says that. You're going to say, give it up means renunciation, which we hate. You never love anyone else. Uh, no unique path of love. We covered that. The connection between love and consciousness, we covered that. So what about hate? Hate is love going through a twisted mind. Hate is awareness or consciousness or love going through a twisted mind. So when somebody hates you, they love you. They're paying attention. Huh? They're paying attention. Yeah, they're paying attention to you. There's a guy that, that wants just paying attention to me all the time because the only way he can pay attention to me is if he thinks I'm a serial rapist. <laughs> so he's on the internet telling people that I'm a serial rapist. But that's good. That's great, because he's thinking about me. <laughs> yeah. Krishna had the story of Krishna. His, his cousin tried to kill him. Buddha's cousin tried to kill him, too. Buddha said, well, that's good. He's thinking about me all the time, then he'll get me. Sooner or later, same with Krishna. It's a, it's a perverted form of bhakti, but it's still bhakti. And, you know, so a person's perverted. You don't decide to be a pervert, do you? Do you make up your mind when you come here? Well, I think I'll be a pervert. You don't decide to be a pervert. Huh? Ishwar makes you a pervert. Ishwar is the biggest pervert, isn't it? Huh? It's, oh God. I mean, look at what Ishwar does. I mean, Ishwar does one thing, one thing, and... The next thing, the next thing, you just wonder, Jesus, you know, is this God, is this God trying to make life miserable for us? You know, why did Ishwar create this samsara? Well, actually, huh? Ishwar is ignorance of the self. Ignorance of the self creates samsara, doesn't it? So why did Ishwar create suffering then? That seems like a really perverted thing to do, isn't it? If you if God's if God is good, God should be only making happiness for us, shouldn't it? But if God if God is all powerful and makes everything happy, then there's no world, is there? Huh? Because huh? It's not even boring. It just isn't there because happiness is defined by unhappiness. If there's no unhappiness, you're not happy. Is there? Tell me, are you a woman if there's no man? Are you a man if there's no women? Uh -huh. I didn't know I was a heterosexual. That doesn't mean I'm going to come out now. <laughs> I didn't know I was a heterosexual till I was 19. This man tried to get in my pants. I was so surprised. <laughs> and, and I asked my mom, I said, what was that? And she said, oh, he's a homosexual. I said, what's a homosexual? I said, that's a man who likes men, she said. And so what am I? You're a heterosexual. Oh, I'm a heterosexual. <laughs> I never felt like a heterosexual. I didn't think I was a heterosexual. I just thought I was a person. Never occurred to me that I was a heterosexual. Huh? So I, I, heterosexual is divided by homosexual, and man's divided by woman, and up's divided by down, and down's defined by up, and right's defined by left, huh? And good's defined by bad, and huh? That's duality. Don't try to get on either side of the uh, coin because it doesn't work. Neither one of them is real. Only what's real is what stands alone. So if you think you're good because you're not bad, you're that's totally unreal. Huh? Understand? You're trying to be good because you've been told you're bad, that you're, you're just wasting your time. Understand? So 
And what is love? Uh, what is this bhakti? It's attractive to a source, an object that brings joy. In other words, I don't love you. I said, uh, what do I love? I love love. You don't love the object. Because when the object doesn't provide love for you, you get rid of the object, isn't it? You love love. So if you love love, and love is present without an object, then why would I look for love in an object? If my nature is love, why would I look for love in someone else? Because I love love. I don't love people. I love people for the love they give me, but I am love. So again, chasing love in, in objects is what? Pointless. It's useless. Not going to get you anywhere. Temporarily, you may feel like you you won the lottery, but uh, after a while, you'll realize there's as much downside to loving an object as there is what upside, and the whole thing will become a zero sum game for you. And uh, how do you know if you're uh, if you're uh, a self uh, self actualized person? How do you know? people want to know. Total satisfaction? Yeah. No. Uh, and, 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 you're gonna, yes. You're totally satisfied. But there's other benefits, other ways to talk about it. Verse, thir verse 3. What? What? Is, how do you know? You, you, <laughs> you're ready. Huh? The nectar of immortality is the essence of non-dual love. What does that mean? That's the immortality benefit. What's the immortality benefit? It means you don't know you you know you don't die. Ah, oh, that's nice. Which means what? If you don't die, are you? Huh? You can wait forever for anything, can't you? Huh? You're totally secure. In other words, you get the security benefit here. The problem is that I'm totally insecure. Why? Because I think I'm going to die. Isn't that right? Yeah. Huh? And you're trying to get all this shit before you die. Isn't it? Aren't you? Isn't all this stuff you're trying to enjoy it before you die? So you're in a big hurry. But what if you don't die? Are you in a hurry to get any of this stuff? No, you can wait forever. <laughs> it'll, it'll come around if it's supposed to come around. It won't if it won't, but it doesn't matter because I'm fine whether I have it or not. I'm immortal, for God's sake. If this body goes, I just look out through the other bodies. There's billions of other bodies I can look out for if I'm at all interested in the world. So why would I worry about it? Getting what I want or avoiding what I don't want. I wouldn't do it. So those people, they don't, they don't care. I, one time I was sitting in a bar in Montana, drinking a beer. I was waiting for my wife. She was in a dance studio. And uh, I was all alone in the bar. It's one of those big back bars, beautiful old Victorian back bar, beautiful bar. And they had the sports on, and I was watching the baseball game. And just drinking my beer and enjoying myself, you know. <laughs> and... You know, I was just like a normal guy. Because I'm a normal guy. And and this man walks in. Oh, man. I, 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 his cowboy boots on. He must have had $5,000 worth of clothing on. He had a big buckle here. He had a cowboy hat. He had a briefcase. And his suit was tailored. He was rich and powerful. And he comes walking into the bar. And there's like... 20 bar stools, empty, and I'm sitting on, and he comes and sitting next to me. <laughs> and I'm watching the sports. I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> 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 I'm just at the other end. I don't want to talk to you. I'm just this hippie guy. Huh? I'm just this hippie guy sitting watching the bar, and this big, powerful, rich guy comes and sits down next to me, you know. And and he's got to tell me, and I, I keep staring at the thing and pretend like he's not there, but he, he keeps, like, you know, pushing. And then finally he turns to me and he, he addresses me. 
So I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> but it was actually a pretty good game. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to talk. Well, I said, okay, I'll be polite. So I started talking. And he started talking about himself, as they do. You know, he says, who are you? And I say, Jim. And that's it, because I don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to watch TV. <laughs> but I'm polite. And I say, oh, yeah, and what do you do? That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and he owned this, and he owned that, and he was the head of this big law firm, and he was in town working on a multi-million dollar project, and his kids were this and that, and he had a, a, a sailboat in Flathead Lake, and he went on and on, and a trophy wife, it was his third trophy wife, and this and that, and he went on and on, and oh my God, I think when is this guy going to shut up? And, and it went on for like 10 minutes. He's talking about how wonderful he was and all the stuff he had. It wasn't that he, was, he said he was wonderful. He meant, I'm wonderful because I have all this stuff. So he finished, and I just listened and nodded, and, you know, like politely and listened. Yes, mm, mm, oh, very good. That's great. Jeez, lovely, you know. And then... Then he then then he he stopped for a second, and took a swig of his beer. And then I I didn't do this. I swear to God I didn't do it. It was Ishwara, blaming Ishwara. My my head turned and and uh, and I heard these words come out of my mouth. It was okay. I said, that's very wonderful, but what happens to all that shit when you die? <laughs> I tell you the samadhi that he went into never saw anybody go into such a samadhi he, 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 his, his jaw kind of dropped and he went dead silent his mind just went dead silent and he, he sat there it was kind of a blank look on his face and his eyes were kind of dilated pupils was dilated you know I turned back to the TV. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that got rid of the fucker. You know? And, and he, did, he sat there for, I must have been five minutes. The bartender's looking at him, and I'm wondering, what's going on here? You know? He grabs his, he grabs his booze case, and he just went out. Because <laughs> huh? he never thought about it. He was, all that stuff, you know, that, that was, it was all supported by all that stuff. His whole ego was all jacked up and all that stuff. And of course, I was supposed to think it was really wonderful. So I said, oh, yeah, that's very wonderful. But, you know, what happens to all that stuff when you die? And then he got, he suddenly realized, shit, this is, why, why have I been doing this? I suppose he's enlightened by now. <laughs> no, who knows? But but here, the, huh? the benefit is you realize you were never born. If you're never born, how are you going to die? So so all this stuff, all, the worry goes away. Understand? The worry just goes away. Life becomes an enjoyment. Every day is an enjoyment. And and you're happy to die. You're you're happy to die. You don't want to die, but you don't not want to die. You just that the next thing coming up is is death, and oh great, let's take that as prasad. Let's enjoy our death. What's the big deal? It's going to happen anyway, for this body and mind. So let's die. Aren't you kind of curious about how it is? What's next? Huh? Really? Are you not? Oh, no, no. I don't want to leave here. It's only here. <laughs> if you go somewhere and you, you're going to come back somewhere, if you leave somewhere, you're going to return somewhere, and the only place you can return to is here, to yourself, because that's all there is. So, huh? Like when you go to sleep at night, you don't know if you're going to wake up, do you? Do you know? No. Well, you don't know. Well, what's the difference between death? There's just a fear about it. Shakespeare said, it is that 
undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns. It puzzles the will and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of. Because hmm? we don't know, I'm going to suffer later. Let's just we just let's keep suffering here. No, you don't suffer. It all stops. So no, that is so non-dual love is immortal love. Sunborn, immortal love. And I am that love. The one, again, he's telling what, what, it's, what it is. He's describing what it is. He says, the one who obtains non-dual devotion uh, becomes perfect, uh, immortal, and fully satisfied. He repeats it. So you get the perfection benefit, the immortality benefit, and the satisfaction benefit. Understand? The word, what's the pro problem word here? Obtains. Obtains and becomes. That's correct. Those two words are, uh, what kind of an obtaining is it? What kind of a becoming is it? It's an obtaining of something you already got. How do you get what you already got? It's a, it's a gain of knowledge, a loss of ignorance. It's not an actual attain obtainment you're not gaining actually something you're losing something and then you're uh, and the loss of ignorance is the understanding that I what immortal from and, the jiva perspective you you obtain you, you yeah so right but this reason. but this jiva this is a jiva now yeah huh but this jiva is, is fine with that yeah in other words it understands that it didn't obtain anything. So it doesn't get enlightenment sickness. He's going to talk about enlightenment sickness shortly now. Because, because people think that when they realize I'm the self, that they've got something they didn't have. Mm -hmm. But they should actually stick their tail between their legs and sneak off quietly into the dark, because all they're doing is uh, calling attention to a long stay in ignorance. Just like a fat person who you know loses 500 pounds, you know, Everybody claps and says, oh, what a courageous person. But they forget that that person put themselves in that position in the first place. So should we, should we congratulate them for losing the weight or should we condemn them for gaining the weight? Well, how should you see it? Huh? Well, they shouldn't get any credit because they made the problem in the first place. All they did was, was reverse the problem. So how do you see it? That's the whole point. So you become perfect. That okay? What does that mean? That means you stop trying to change yourself or the world, doesn't it? You you don't want yeah. The feeling that I should be different goes. If you still have the feeling I should be different, then you haven't realized who you are. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you you can have that feeling, but if you believe that feeling, let's put it that way. If you think that feeling is the truth, huh? That feeling may come because you may have thought it before. And because you thought that feeling before, it may pop up in your awareness at that time. But if you're a self-actualized person, you'll know that that feeling is not true. And so you'll dismiss it. I wish uh, you could be the doer. Well, this is a doer. The self, you, you don't get rid of it, huh? You get rid of the idea that you're a doer, but you don't get rid of the doer. You're always a doer if you're a jiva. This is about a jiva. A self act, a non-dual devotee is a person. It thinks and feels and acts. It's a normal person. It's a normal person. This doesn't apply to the self, does it? The self doesn't even know that there is anything called devotion or anything like that or, or for people or anything of the sort. Mm -hmm. This is what, and, and you're not going to go through this whole damn, this whole damn spiritual thing if there isn't some benefit for you as a person, is it? Are you? Mm -hmm. Huh? Well, there's no benefit for why would you, 
Why would you subject yourself? Look at this. I've painted this terribly complicated, difficult procedure here. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Why would you? Why the? Would you do it if there wasn't some benefit? Huh? You wouldn't. No, this is for the person. The person remains. <laughs> <laughs> to love that person is known what? to a love. And to love that person is known to a love. Yeah. That person. Yeah, if there if there is a person, yeah, that person. <laughs> if that's there right. is a person. If there is a person or there isn't, it's a <laughs> that's the legal uh-huh. <laughs> In other words, you, you don't have to get rid of Maya. You just have to see the Maya's me. And, and that my nature is love, and so I love Maya. I love the Lord. I love everything. I love all the objects. So what? They're temporary. <coughs> Some object I love disappears. Doesn't mean I'd stop loving, does it? It doesn't mean, like my mother and my father, I love them as much now as I love them when I was around them, maybe more. I don't know. And when I when they were bodies were present, huh? What did I love them? Yes. When their bodies are absent, did I love them? Yes. Love has nothing to do with the presence or the absence of an object, huh? Okay. Then I love the self. The zero sum nature of samsara also stops. That's right. Ends. Yeah. 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 It all just becomes love. Mm. Me. Mm. It's so cool. You're all, you're always loving something anyway. You just don't realize I am the love, isn't it? Remember, we, we start, that's where we started, didn't we? Didn't, didn't we say that, that if you're paying attention to something, willingly or unwillingly, huh, it's because you love that object, doesn't it? You love the thing. That's why you do it. Which means that love is your nature, doesn't it? So what is the nature of that love? Is it mortal or immortal? Does the love depend upon the object or does the object depend upon the love? Insofar as there's an object, it depends upon the love. The love's always present because what? Because I'm always present. Because I always exist. The love is my existence. My existence is the love. When did I? When were you born? When? When were you born? Can you answer that question? You can tell me when your body was born. But weren't you there before your body was born? You had to be, or your body couldn't have been born, could it? How? How would your? How would you be born? And this? How would your body appear? And this? You consciousness was there already. Uh-huh. No, when you think you're the body, then you say, I was born. But you can't be the body, can you? Think about it now. This is very simple. I know it's very hard. It's the hardest thing to get, but it's very simple. Yeah. Am I this book? Am I this book? Come on, answer the question. No! No, I'm not this book. Why? Because the book's over here and I'm here looking at the book. Look, if I'm this book, I, I can t- I can talk, right? Now, if I'm this book, the book can talk, right? Okay, book, who am I? I'm waiting. Huh? Huh? <laughs> what, what was that? The book doesn't know me. I know the book. 
The book's just inert matter. I'm a I'm consciousness. I'm aware of the book, but the book's not aware of me. So, huh? So if you know, if there's an object present, you can't be it. What's the object that we're talking about? The body. So even though you think, when you think you're the body, you're not actually the body at all. This is why you have such a time answering this question, because the reason is you keep thinking you're the body. Because you believe that the body, you know, that you were born when the body was born. Well, no, it's true. The body was born. The body appeared in consciousness one fine day, and one fine day it's going to go out of consciousness. But how could the body be there if consciousness wasn't there? Because the body got to come out of something, doesn't it? The body doesn't come out of nothing, does it? What's it going to come out of? It's like the world. The, the scientists are trying to figure, the, the, the scientists know the world must have come out of something, but they don't know what it is. I don't know why they have a hard time saying that it's consciousness. Well, I do know why they have a hard time saying it's consciousness, because they don't have instruments that can measure consciousness. So, so the instruments can't quantify or define or, or, or consciousness. And so, so they rely upon these instruments to tell them what knowledge is, and those instruments are incapable of measuring or quantifying consciousness, so they, they can't answer the question. But the question is very logical and very simple. Huh? You can't get something out of nothing. That's just a fact. So were you not here before your body was born? Of course you were. You could, and you never were that body because the body was always an object to you. And and when you think about it, you think back about, huh? Isn't it at some point you became aware that you had a body? Did you ever notice with babies? Yeah, yeah. They're not even clear, right? They're very big, little. They're not even clear they have bodies. It's cool. Huh? It's cool. It's so cool. Huh? Huh? Because the body hasn't become an object in their consciousness yet. The thought, I'm a body. Because they're, huh? I understand. This is a tough one. Stops your mind, doesn't it? Hmm? The only way you're going to get this, I tell you, the only way this is going to be a satisfying teaching for you is you know, if you understand that rear view mirror thing I was talking about. But but the reason you don't want to accept it is because you want proof. Don't you? You don't want to look in the mirror. This is the mirror. You don't want to take this this these words as the truth. You want to turn around and look and see if you were there before you were born. Don't you? You want proof. But there's no proof for you because your instrument, just like the science instrument, can't prove the existence of consciousness. You can't see consciousness. You can't smell consciousness or taste consciousness or feel consciousness or think consciousness. You can't do it. So the only solution is to just accept the words of the scripture. And, 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 you know, that's why Krishna says Vedanta is the hardest path. And well, what's the reason he gives? In the Bhagavad Gita, what's the reason he gives? Because of attachment to the body. Because you keep wanting to define yourself as this body. Which is so, it's so totally irrational. It's, it's just completely irrational. When you under when you when you understand this, you cannot believe that people actually huh, uh, irrationally believe that they're the body when they know that the body's an object and they couldn't be the body. At what point? Huh? 
Now, the body may be me. Maybe, I said maybe. But I'm definitely not the body. If there is a body, it would have to be consciousness, wouldn't it? Because there's only consciousness. If we accept the scripture, but for to say there's only consciousness, we have to accept the scripture statement, because that's what the scripture says. There's only consciousness. There's reality is non-dual. That's a, the statement in the scripture. Reality is a non-duality. It's not a duality, which means what? There's only consciousness. There's only existence. One who attains it, again, attains is the, the bad word, the operative word. We have to read it differently. One who obtains it, what, how, what, how, what is their experience? What do these people experience? They become completely desireless. Huh? It says there. This is just a fact. They become completely desireless. They what? They don't grieve. They don't feel bad about stuff. They don't hate. And and what? And they don't get all excited when they get what they want. <laughs> they don't get all jacked up, get on the internet and, and you know, put on their Instagram pictures of their happy face. And huh? Because they got some little thing. I'm definitely not one of those because when I get my Spanish visa, I'm going to be very happy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. These, and what about these people? It says these people are no longer jiva centered. That doesn't mean they don't have a jiva, does it? Huh? It just means they're not centered on their jivas. Uh, their lives are centered on the self. All their knowledge and all their emotions, their devotions, uh, their actions are all what? Rotate, uh, centered on the self. Yes, sir. I have a question regarding this. Um, when you just talked about selfless work and, and everything, can we just understand this as a non-jiva-centered kind of work? So you don't, of course, yeah, you are the self, but the question when people say that karma yogi selfless work yeah. can be understood is like it's not a jiva-centered work. So yeah, that's right. Yourself. It's not a jiva-centered. You know, it has effects on the jiva, but but the your actual center for because karma yogis want moksha, so karma yogis are centered on the self. They're doing work with what with the idea that I'm the self. Huh? So it's just a question of semantics. It is just a question of semantics, but semantics is everything. Yeah. You see how you see how just the meaning of just simple words is causing all these problems. <clears throat> Merges, obtains all these words, action words. We actually believe those words. Huh? You said that's why I keep pointing them out. There's just two languages here. There's the language of knowledge and there's the language of experience. Okay? And, and sometimes, sometimes, and the Gita does this, we see it here, and there's some teachers like Atmananda, who was a brilliant teacher and brilliant teachings, he uses the language of experience to convey knowledge. That's that and very few people can understand it because they they don't realize that the language is metaphorical. They actually take the, the, the statements literally. So when he says, in fact, it says in the Gita, it talks about enlightenment. It says in the 17th, the, the most one of the most beautiful verses in the Gita talks about a self enlightened person. It says, Yadgatvanagavartante. Tadama paramamama. Yadgatva nandiparthante. Tadama paramamama. Once you go there, you don't come back. Now, uh, how are you going to understand that? As, as if there is some person on a journey who went to some other place and then didn't return to where he was before? Is that how you're going to understand it? Well, if you're going to understand that, then you're going to then you're not going to get free, are you? 
you've got to understand that they're talking about there's no hot that what that there's no what place to go that there's no going that the going is what the going of ignorance not huh there's not actual any going to a place that you can return from because if everything's the self the place that you went from is still the self wasn't it because you were the self before you went weren't you when when are you when huh when don't you exist and when aren't you consciousness aren't you conscious when before you go you exist and that after you get there you exist before you go your consciousness and after you get there your consciousness so that means what there was no game there was no going <laughs> understand it just means my ignorance dropped off huh? and i realized that that's why people when they when they understand this they say oh i was that all along i said well that's great that's wonderful but well, why didn't you tell me that before <laughs> if you're so smart why didn't you tell me that before huh? you had to get there to discover that you knew it all, all along before it means what you were there before you just didn't know it <laughs> see i don't need you anymore james thanks but i don't need you anymore well you didn't need me before if you were there before either so why were you saying you needed me <laughs> yeah. i know how hard this is these people no longer jeeva's better and what and the final statement they are free of passion for objects that mean doesn't mean they don't have preferences huh? the 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 negation of samsara is what converting binding likes dislikes and dislikes into preferences a preference is something that what you'd be happy to have you'd prefer to have but if you don't get it it's fine you're happy to accept what you do get that's all understand so you're a normal person enlightened people are ordinary normal person i get so many people writing me and thanking me the one word that really helped me most of all in my spiritual journey was ordinary awareness huh <clears throat> right what why 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 do people write that cuz cuz it's it it's the the way that that the self is presented it makes you think that awareness is extraordinary you look at the verse here look at that first verse he used the word supreme that was the word he used supreme so as soon as you get the word supreme huh you start thinking oh my god whoop de doo huh i'm not going to be a normal ordinary person anymore i'm going to be a special person huh is it all the experientials yeah it's all uh, yeah because and who would be thinking like that only a small person only a person who didn't feel okay needs to feel special you don't need to feel special <laughs> you're ordinary you were ordinary before you're ordinary during and you're ordinary after if there's only awareness then how is there anything special or it's just like you know If there's only straight people, how's there any gays? If there's only women, how's there any men? How's that going to happen? So, if there's only consciousness, everybody's ordinary. You immediately define yourself as special with reference to everybody else, but everybody else is the self, so how do you get to be extraordinary? Oh and here's this one just we only got 2 minutes but I think we can we can get this work this figure this verse in here in 2 minutes cuz you're all getting hungry right Oh no Yeah <laughs> No you're hungry for devotion you're hungry for knowledge yeah I'll give you some more knowledge Thank you the yoga sutra Uh okay what 6 
they say a great verse. It says, when non-dual devotion is attained, one is wonderstruck. Whew. It doesn't mean you're special. It means you're like, holy moly, why? Huh? Immersed in silence, and in silence means you shut up. Because you, <laughs> you're wonderstruck. Huh? Doesn't mean you go around saying, I'm awareness, I'm awareness, I'm awareness. I mean, you're silent, and what? And you're intoxicated with your drunk, intoxicated, I mean, you're drunk on love, on the self. And why, huh? Nice, huh? <laughs> you're drunk on you. Woo. And what does this wonderstruck mean? Why, why, are you, why are you so, it's a, just the greatest wonder. Because you fulfilled your purpose in life. You no longer wonder why you came here, what you're doing in this weird meat tubes. Huh? That whole question of why am I here? Why am I alive? What am I doing here? What's this weird world and all this strange stuff going on here? That whole thing is resolved at that point. So finally, I know why I'm here. So I fulfilled my purpose in life. I did what I was supposed to do, thank by God's grace. You're just like to, so totally happy. In the, the, the sometimes they say that you know when the Buddhists they say when the Buddha and the, the sky flowered the, the shower, flowers showered from the sky like rain. It, 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 there weren't actual flowers coming out of the actual sky and lighting on the Buddha. Okay, this is a metaphor. It's a beautiful poetic metaphor. It means what? He realized why he had come here and why all that suffering was justified. That, that understanding justified all that hard work that you did, all that suffering and pain and striving. Uh, that was all what riped away. You've what? You've redeemed a loveless life what? by discovering I was always loved. Look at how much, how much longing we have to love and be loved, huh? How much, how, how much, how you long to be loved by someone and how you long to have someone love you, huh? huh? That all goes away. Just, huh? And, and, because you are loved. You know what love is. And you, and everything stops. That's what it means by silence. When you realize what money is, when you realize what money is, you stop chasing money. When you realize what love is, you stop chasing love. When you realize what power is, you stop chasing power. When you realize what fame is, you stop chasing fame. We keep looking for these things only to discover what we are. They are. And when we discover what we are, what? we stop chasing them. We understand. Love is understanding. Love is your support, your basis. It's the basis. And these people, what? Know I am love. They're totally happy. They don't need anything. They don't want anything. Any pain and any pain and suffering that comes to them is fine. You take it. Doesn't change their experience at all. Beautiful verse. Intoxicated silence. 